Hello everyone, here is Danny Abudai with a new episode of our e-commerce show. And today I'm here with Max Smith, and she's the founder and CEO at uh, Love Lexi. And uh, uh, I'm really excited about this episode because before the episode we had some emailing and her business is not a huge uh, Victoria's Secret, let's say, or, or you know, anything huge brand, yes. but uh, she just started out recently, but her approach is quite unique and that's why... I actually wanted to interview uh, her today. So, hey, Meg, how are you today? Hey, great. Thanks for having me. Let's start at the beginning. Um, I know before this business, you had experience in the D2C world. So before founding uh, Love Lexi, what was your previous experience and what brands did you work with? Sure. I owned a marketing and branding agency for about six years, and that evolved into taking on some other commitments, one being uh, the CMO of a D2C organic cosmetics brand, um, and then later head of marketing for a professional sports media company, um, all in tandem with still running some clientele under my agency. So um, undergarments was certainly not an industry I had anticipated I'd be in, but here we are. Amazing. So what was your initial purpose or, or motivation with Love Lexi? Also, is this your first business that you founded or or not the first one? This is my first product-based business. I had, um, you know, I was very entrepreneurial out of university. And so I really found my way and grounding with marketing and branding and started my agency and um, essentially started that up virtually, ended up having um, a couple of employees over the course of the six years. So Definitely had that entrepreneurial spirit, had the marketing background, which certainly played a role in all of this. Um, I had gone through my own personal health journey um, from 2016 to 2020, um, which entrepreneur had certainly shed some light on the story. So you can you can learn more and we can dive into the weeds of that as much as you'd like. Um, but essentially, you know, I was running uh, marketing and branding for the sports media company, working on my clientele, and I was looking for something at the time that would, I was looking for undergarments that would make me feel very feminine and confident, but I wanted comfort and I wanted good fit. And what I was finding was one had to be sacrificed for the other. And of course, at the time, you know, I thought this was just a void that I felt was missing. Um, But then I woke up in the middle of the night after months of frustration and discouragement, not being able to find what I was looking for and just was returning everything um, to think maybe this is something I can start myself. Maybe this is, this is my chance. And I'm very intuitive. So there was, there was a drive there, this, this fire, but I knew that I couldn't just follow that shiny object. I had to understand if there was truly a void in the market. So um, I conducted focus groups. I really immersed myself into online communities and forums and ended up getting validation from over 500,000 women that there was truly a void and it was something that they were missing as well. Um, So that's when the whole journey began and which was in fall of 2020. Mm Mm-hmm. So simple question, like, um, didn't you just want to stay in the agency world? What happened? I did. I I mean, it was, I knew nothing. This was very intimidating, of course, because I had no background in um, product development, supply chain, undergarments in general, but there was just this um, unavoidable, incredibly powerful purpose and fire in me to know that this is, this is my path. And there was so much of my experience that led up to love Lexi that I knew I'd be able to use to my benefit from 
um, just community engagement and branding and really turning a vision and a purpose into something that isn't only tangible through product, but of course, um, more so just really resonates with the community on a really emotional level. Um, because our impact in my mission behind Love Lexi is equally as important as our product. Um, and I feel very proud today to say that our community can feel that. Um, so it's certainly working, um, but it's complicated. It's it, it took us a year and a half to develop the product. I had to learn everything I could. Um, I mean, endless everyday podcasts, books, articles, um, just trying to understand this industry. And I think network plays a huge role as well. So I have some really great mentors in the category who helped um, really shed light on um, I mean, essentially everything I needed to know. Um, and I'm still learning every day. It's, it's, it's a beast, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So now let's talk about this purpose and vision. So when did, when you entered this industry, then what was the state of the industry? What's, what's your take on that? Well, you know, I entered this industry during a supply chain crisis and pandemic. So my perspective, it, I think everything was was chaotic in general. I think in terms of undergarment brands, what you were seeing was a lot of the athleisure coming out. And I think we're still seeing a lot of that today, which is great. And it's very functional. Um, but that was certainly um, at the time, especially in 2020 and today, something that was becoming overtaking the more lingerie, um, beautiful, detailed undergarment brands. And even those that were, that had those uh, fashion forward details, um, there was a lack of engineering. Um, and I, that's not fair to say um, lack of, of quality engineering, but more so, you know, their focus wasn't necessarily fit and comfort. It was more so let's create really beautiful lingerie, which they delivered on that. But again, as an active mom and somebody who really values comfort, um, I understood I'm, I'm a bit of a neuroscience geek. Um, and I, I have been for years, even just on the marketing side. And so I read and did research and understood that there's truly a relationship. There's a psychological connection between really pretty undergarments and the mindset and confidence of a woman. And so I was trying to find a way, how can we make this comfortable? How can we make really pretty undergarments something that women can feel celebrated in all day long from morning through the evening? Um, and that's where I really found there was one or the other, but where can we find a marriage between the two? And, um, and that's where I found a special place for Love Lexi. And again, the validation from the amount of women that we were able to connect with was really um, just helped keep pushing us forward. It's a competitive space. I understand. I I hear that quite often, which only excites me more. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think fashion is probably the most competitive niche in e-commerce or industry that I know. The food space is another one, I would say. Yeah. And these are the biggest ones as well, right? Like everyone needs clothing and food, so it makes sense. But uh, highly competitive. And uh, also the fulfillment supply chain is quite difficult, quite complex compared to a few other niches. Absolutely. So I can only agree. Um, do you operate only online now or also brick and mortar retail, any other legs of your company or at the moment only e-commerce? We launched in May of 2020, 2022 of this year, uh, direct to consumer but with an omni-channel vision. We do want to um, step into retail. So we are in conversation, but we're 
we're being very strategic and different about it. Definitely not brick and mortar anytime um, in the next year, but other strategic partnerships or more experiential retail um, is something that we're certainly going to be focusing on in 2023. So, um, you know, it's important, especially with undergarments, it's important to be able to have women um, touch and feel and see and and put on and wear on the body. Um, So, you know, we've found ways um, you know, with technology and apps and, and customer experience to really be there for our customers and take them through the journey, through the fit process. We have some unique ways that we're really, we're being able to serve them there, but there's, there's something to be said for, um, for undergarments and retail. So we're finding ways to, to work our way in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I really agree in fashion. It's quite difficult to, you know, make them feel your product and, and uh, people want to touch it. They want to try it and it's not easy, but I think in the future with different, you know, tech technology will solve it. I'm sure. So how do you convey your message online and the quality of your products? That's a challenge, uh, of course, but I think just again, with, from my brand perspective before, just being incredibly cohesive and honest, I think, um, you know, everything that you see, no matter which channel you're on, whether you're on a website, um, anywhere on social, whether it's the packaging that you receive, we're very, um, we're very straightforward and try and be as cohesive and clear about it. Um, you know, even when the content we create, we're trying very hard to distinguish our brand when we talk about empowerment or we use these words that other brands often will use as marketing buzzwords. You know, it's we're in a time where there is a body image movement and body positivity, but how can we differentiate ourselves or, you know, um, communicate this in a way that's very genuine and authentic? And I think that's where a big piece of my vulnerability had to be put on the table to say, I have, I, I have to be comfortable to share my story um, to some degree, but but how many layers do I want to share? And I think by putting my story out there and not being a um, a founder, kind of hiding behind the curtain and, and not sharing that piece of myself and that part of my journey has allowed me to connect with our, our community and consumers in a way that they can see is very genuine. So when we talk mm-hmm. about the image movement, um, and again, my my story is publicly out there going through um, body dysmorphia, body image, breast implant illness and to explant, you know, they can they can see that there's a lot more to our mission than just, you know, um, let's create a bra brand and, and, and you know, like post-it notes, put um, empowerment, body positivity all over our messaging. So I think it's really just shining through the um, the authenticity of it through through every touch point. And it's just ingrained in us as a brand and in our story. So it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty, pretty genuine. And uh, are you planning to build a personal brand as well at the same time? Also, I'm wondering how how purposefully you want to do it if you want. Like uh, you, and maybe at some point it will be even a separate brand. Is it something that you want, or you really want to tie your name and your story? You want uh, to, you know, you want this to be connected with this brand and the products that you sell. That's a great question. I do have my Meg Smith Ventures Instagram and I, I wanted to, it was very strategic. I wanted to have a public facing account for myself as the founder and really share the behind the scenes of building the brand because we started to share the process two years ago before we even had a website and we had the product live. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to establish that kind of just authentic, trustworthy relationship as a human to human and then have Love Lexi, the brand, really just have this like very 
authentic but cohesive polished brand vibe, right? I think there's um, a way to kind of cross them a little bit, but then I wanted them to have their own personalities. And obviously, they it's different types of forms of content. Um, I don't plan to, I'm not trying to become an influencer or um, really stand behind, um, you know, being a really big advocate for breast implant illness necessarily. But what I have found by putting myself out there in my story and just being there, um, I've had so many women reach out to my founder account, sharing their stories and finding mm -hmm. that there's an even other layer of, of human connection there when it's not a brand account, but it's actually um, a person who they know is there and that they can talk to. And um, even though we're there on Love Lexi, it's, it, it's, it adds a different element. And I, it's been great to be able to support and be a voice for women and kind of share my experiences. Not that I know everything because everyone's journey is very different, but um, it's been interesting, but it's certainly not something I'm putting a lot of effort into just because mm -hmm. again, solo founder already wearing <laughs> too many hats, but um, Love Lexi is certainly my focus. Yeah. And also, I think we have to mention that most of your traffic or maybe all of your traffic, you will tell us, but most of your traffic, they are organic. So uh, you how, how much do you run? Do you, do you run ads at all or, or not only organic at the moment? Today, we've spent zero dollars on marketing, um, which I feel very proud to say, you know, I, I had a very strong organic launch strategy. So we launched purely organic. Um, and today, yeah, every sale is attributed to word of mouth or organic content, which is essentially just Instagram. Um, we're on TikTok barely. Um, so there's a lot of untapped potential, but it's really exciting to see that we can grow and build a brand and a business without any any dollars spent on marketing. So when we start to infuse some capital and invest in these areas, it's um, it'll be fun to see what happens then. Um, but we're being very mindful about really just grassroots, ground up, being, being there, you know. Mm -hmm on yeah. the community level and, and trying to organically grow. Um, we are currently fundraising um, with some strategic partners and a lot of exciting things behind the scenes, but yeah, we're purely organic right now. Yeah. Is it a crowdfunding? Do you use any of those, uh, you know, platforms, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or, or it's a different kind of uh, fundraising now? Yeah, no, no crowdfunding. Um, certainly something I had thought about at one point in time, but no, just um, I'm kind of navigating some um, potential opportunities without saying too much um, that, you know, that there's a couple opportunities at the table, whether it's VC, whether they're angels, whether they're celebrity um, partners, there's some, there's some really interesting things happening. And it's a, it's an interesting time, right? We're not even a year old, but I have big vision for the brand. So it's very, I have to be very mindful about uh, the decisions I make now and how they're going to affect short and long term. Um, so, yeah, that's all I can say at the at the moment. But <laughs> stay tuned. Hopefully, I'll have some updates in the new year. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting time for investors as well because, especially in the US, but in Europe as well, we can see some people they call it recessions, other others they don't. But I definitely think that the economy has you know it, it slowed down recently. But at the same time, I can see investors moving, you know, like investing into startups more and more. I also get offers more and more and not just because we grow as a company, but I think uh, people, investors, they have they opened their eyes more in the past few months because of the opportunities. So I think it's a very interesting time now. It is. If you have 
it's mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's ruthless. I mean, it's definitely a hard climate to fundraise in if you're not tech or you're not in, um, you yeah. know, medical industry. But, you know, I think there's it's it's been challenging. I mean, it's a it could be a full time job. So I'm not really investing a ton of my time in that. So it's obviously, it, you know, things are just moving at a, at a um, maybe a slightly slower pace. But um, this industry is, is challenging, especially in undergarments. Um, but I think there's something to be said again with my my story and I think our our community and the organic growth we've been able to um, achieve is is different. You know, we have a very different um, strategy in terms of how we plan to acquire and continue to acquire customers. And mm-hmm. it's interesting. I think it's just, you know, it's 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 generating some interest in a way that's like, okay, there's something different here compared to a lot of the brands in the um, in the ecosystem. So we'll see how how it all plays yeah. out. Yeah. Do you have any role models uh, regarding, uh, you know, branding and how to build this up? Because first name coming to my mind, Kylie Jenner, because she builds this brand around herself. Or I, I, actually, I don't know much about the brand, but for me, it seems like that. So do you follow any, you know, models of businesses? I will say um, one that I I can't wait to sit and have coffee with her at some point. It's I'm, I'm manifesting it. But Sarah Blakely, of course, I I've always even prior to being in this industry, um, have just always looked up to her because she you know she started her brand from her apartment um, from the ground up. She wasn't an influencer. She didn't have this massive reach or this uh, large bank account to to build it. But look at look where she was able to take the brand and it's, it's just been mm-hmm. so inspiring to hear her story and how she, you know, y- you just keep persevering through all the no's and all the discouragement. And she just kept, you know, driving with purpose and passion. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's one that I, yeah, she's, she's definitely like my number one that I I'd say is incredibly inspiring for all female entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that you see a lot of that today, right. With the, the celebrity, yeah, yeah. the brands. And I think that, you know, a lot of them are, are fantastic. Um, but I think there's something to be said about the hustlers that don't have the following or the, again, the um, massive budgets to, to start something. It's a whole different world. Um, but yeah, it's Sarah, yeah. Sarah, <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we will put the link uh of uh, of that business into the description as well so everyone can find this and so i checked your website and the products i'm wondering how did you find someone who manufactured these products someone who could trust maybe yeah. was it you at the beginning maybe you know the story of jim shark the guy was a was a very young i think he was a teenager he was begin working out and a gym guy, and then he just started suing the products himself. Yeah. And did you choose the same path, or you found no, someone? I've actually able- never used the sewing machine behind me. <laughs> it's for when my product development director comes to visit; she can use it. So, no, um, I feel very lucky to say that um, it was. It's a very hard industry as a startup um, to find really good talent, um, especially on the technical design side and product development. Um, so I had relentlessly pursued outreach to some of, you know, the really the bigger names in the industry from technical design. And I, you essentially have to pitch your idea. And I had this one woman out in LA who um, just loved my concept and, you know, she's worked with so many of the larger brands. So she saw that there was, there was something um, special about what I was 
um, what I was trying to build. And once you get in, once you, you know, you start to have these believers in the support system in the industry, they essentially just start handing you off, you know, um, like handing the baton off, right? Oh, I know somebody in product development. And then from there, it just was this trickle effect into building this incredible network that I have, not only with my suppliers, um, but then also one of the suppliers had known of this factory in Sri Lanka that um, might be willing to take this on. It's really been incredible because, again, so many people have just believed and love Lexi since day one in the story and the vision and the product that I feel so grateful because they've just um, really helped me kind of navigate and take some, um, you know, um, maybe some unconventional paths to finding these connections and also minimum order quantities. It's hard to find a good quality ethical factory that'll meet minimums. Um, so I feel very grateful. Our factory is incredible. They're just wonderful human beings. They're such hard workers, um, very ethical, sustainable. Um, so we're excited to continue to grow with them and help support the economy over in Sri Lanka mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, did you find that through your network or or online? What? Yeah, what? no, I couldn't find. Oh my gosh, the I spent endless weeks and weeks trying to Google and find my way through yeah. these platforms to find a factory. Um, and personally, for me, I knew where I wanted to pr produce product, um, or I knew certain countries or places I wanted to avoid. Um, so I think there was a couple options that were available, but I really take. Um, ethical practices seriously, sustainability and quality. And those weren't things, those were non-negotiables for me. So it was much harder. Um, however, yes, a supplier I knew um, of one of our elements of our undergarments had a connection through this, um, the owner of the factory in Sri Lanka, who I wouldn't have been able to find otherwise. So very grateful mm -hmm. for that connection. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the Instagram and you mentioned the community, people sharing their stories, which is, which is great. Um, do you use any other channels at the moment? Maybe, I don't know, email marketing, SMS marketing. Um, you mentioned you don't do ads. Maybe, I don't know, some kind of SEO or, uh, or affiliate marketing, anything like that? Um, so no ads. Uh, we're on, I'm starting to um, get more comfortable on Pinterest and YouTube, even more so than TikTok. Um, and then in terms of SEO, we just recently launched the Harley effect, which is essentially going to eventually be its standalone um, online destination that um, fuels positive body image, a great resource for uh, female empowerment and confidence, and just a hub of all the things that we care so much about. Um, and so it's now currently living on Love Lexi. And as you can imagine, it's just a great SEO tool in tandem with, um, you know, being something that's very purposeful and, um, and impactful. So that's on the SEO side of what we're doing. And then with email, um, I do use Klaviyo. I feel I'm skimming the surface. There's a lot of untapped potential there as well. Um, I do have one of my close friends is um, an expert. She's an email master. She works for a large brand. So she's been able to kind of help me and guide me through um, some ways I can segment and, and create some flows. But I'm really just, I'm just at the basics level with welcome series abandoned cart, um, you know, some VIP and, um, you know, win back opportunities. SMS is another, again, untapped potential. I had initially signed up with PostScript, um, mm -hmm. but it's so hard to manage with everything else on my plate. So, you know, you have to kind of pick and choose when you're just a, 
essentially a team of one on the business and marketing side. But I'm, I'm excited to, again, um, explore that in the new year with hopefully um, more resources and more hands on deck because it's I know that that can be I know um, a good friend of mine is also works for a DTC brand. And I think the SMS is uh, 40% of their revenue currently. Like I know there's a lot of opportunity there. So yeah, um, definitely excited to explore more email strategies with you and the team. Cause I know I can certainly refine what I'm, what I'm currently doing. But Yeah. yeah. 40% from SMS. It's amazing. We also have a client who get like 30, 35%, but it's yeah. definitely not normal, I would say. Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, not the norm. Not the norm. So no expectations to step into SMS and expect that. But mm -hmm. um, but it, it'll be interesting to see, right? Um, and even with email, I know how robust. Like, it there it can. There's so many layers to um, really optimizing that channel that we haven't quite touched yet. So, um, yeah, and I think uh, these two email SMS, they are really good at. Um, you know, you can communicate with your audience um, in a very warm-hearted way. It's better than ads, and yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe even better than social media content because you know it's in their inbox. And you know, once they open the email, they they read the email. That's the only thing they focus on, which is quite rare nowadays. So right, right. Yeah. And I've also found um, just interesting when I see you know open rate and click through rate the text-based emails really perform well. And I, I especially mm -hmm. I think because of our brand and how, you know, well, we are an intimate brand, but we are, are also very intimate and love having that kind of more human-like uh, interaction with each customer. And I feel they tend to love those emails even more. It's fun to have a beautiful looking, polished email that's very branded, but there's something to be said about just a text email. You feel like it's a, a letter to you, you know? Yeah, so exactly. It's interesting to see the, the difference of engagement between the two. Yeah, I think for your brand is very interesting because in most cases, fashion brands, they have very nice emails and this is what we do as well with partners. But your brand is a bit uh, specific because you focus on the story and and the pure text email is better for storytelling. So it I is. think that's something that you should test out what works better. Oh, absolutely. And we certainly have a lot of those really good looking polished branded emails as well. Mm -hmm. It's very hybrid, but it's it's interesting to see what they tend to um, engage more with. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I have one more question to you today. So what would you tell to those people who are before launching their own e-commerce brand? Maybe they have their agencies, they, they are marketing consultants, they have some experience. And what would you tell them? Um, it's because we're a very, you know, customer centric brand, but I, I really believe that there's just so much focus today on customer acquisition through paid media, which is certainly important and we'll, we'll end up going down that avenue a little bit, but I, I feel, um, often community engagement is overlooked, you know, getting on that ground level level to really engage with and make your customers feel like human beings, not order numbers. Um, especially today with the amount of retargeting ads that everyone's seeing on a daily basis, I think there's um, a little bit of an exhaustion around that. And I think there's nothing more beneficial than having a really tight grip on, on your customers and retaining them. Um, and so I'd say just keeping that in the forefront and investing the resources to have a really buttoned up solid customer experience team or system or technology to just really stay connected with them and, um, because that's, again, one way that we've really been able to continue to grow and 
have customers keep coming back for more. We don't even have a large collection and only two colorways currently. We're launching more in the new year. Um, but even with that, we have customers are returning rates, I think at, at about 50% right now, coming back for more colorways. They just, they want more because we're so connected. And so um, I would just put emphasis there to say, stay very, very connected with your community and, and um, make them a priority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Mag. It was very interesting to hear your story and uh, you gave us some insightful tips. And thanks everyone who listened to us today, the live stream on LinkedIn and Facebook or uh, those who will listen to this podcast in the next few months, years, whatever in the future. So thanks again, everyone, and uh, stay tuned. Great. Thanks for having me, Daniel.